Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Sefer, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. So before we get into that very special guest, again, we're still in lockdown, we're still in quarantine, and I want to give you a podcast a week where we don't really talk about COVID-19. We've got to obviously touch on it, we've got to touch about life in lockdown, because it does affect all of us, but I also appreciate that we need to have something that just takes our mind off it, and that's what this podcast is. This podcast is a chance for you to reflect on your life, reflect on your friends' lives, and just for 20, 30 minutes of time, just forget about COVID-19. You can become so absorbed by every single article on your newsfeed, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, all over the news, all about COVID-19 and how many deaths there have been. And yes, it's really sad. And yes, we're in a horrible time. But also, we have to remember our mental health is most important. And we've got to keep focusing on that and focus on the positives, not just the negatives. That being said, if you do need to talk to someone, please do feel free to reach out at me at Johnny Seifert on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on there. Send me a DM and we can talk about any problems you've got because a lot of people are having problems. A lot of people are reaching out who listen to this podcast. And if I can help you in a little bit, just that little bit, then I know I've done my job and I know that you've done your job. The other job you need to do as well is to like this podcast. We need to get up the mental health listing on iTunes and Spotify. So please do like the podcast. Do it right now whilst you're listening. Like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and tell a friend and tag me at Johnny Seafoot in it. This week, you need to tell a friend to listen to the podcast and you need to put it in your Instagram story. That's what I want to see from you this week. Now, on to my guest today. Wow, what a series made in Chelsea has been. It's only six episodes, obviously due to COVID-19, but there was one guy who came in at the beginning of the series and just took us all by storm. He's had his own little love story Story, really nice little sweet love story. I'm delighted to welcome to Sakinian Skirt to talk all about things male body image, life in lockdown, and basically going out with one of the best girls on Made in Chelsea. It's Harvey Armstrong. Hello, Harvey. Hello. Love the intro. Thank you, my friend. So we're going to talk, obviously, about Made in Chelsea. It's, it was a brilliant series that you've just done. Obviously, a little bit short, but we can catch up on all four to see the full six episodes. But we're going to talk about that love story that you're embroiled in because it has had a lot of drama and a lot of niceness at the other end. But let's go back to you. Let's talk all about you. And let's go back to 2013 when you went to Newcastle University where your story kind 
kind of really begins? I was up at Newcastle from, from 2013, as you mentioned, for four years. I enrolled in accounting and finance, did a four-year course there, which was combined with um, a big sort of accounting firm called PwC, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. So I kind of, I worked half time at university and half time down in London. I had a job while being at uni, it's almost like a sponsored course where I was getting money to be at university. So that was a, a big win for me. A lot of people, when you go to university, you got your grant, you got your loan, but that kind of goes in your accommodation, whereas you had actual money that was yours, not your parents. Did you feel a responsibility that you had your own money to play with, or were you like, this is the money that needs to be put in savings and not just on beers throughout the week? <laughs> it was hard at a young age with money and especially being around, you know, your your peers, which didn't have as much to have that mentality. I've always been very wise and very conservative with my money. I use it wisely, but it was nice to actually have a bit of your own coming in at uni when, when a lot of people are struggling to get pizza and a Domino's sometimes. How did that make you around your friends, though? Because when people are going, oh, I'm going to have to have beans on toast, and you're like, well, I'm going to have far out on top of a lobster for dinner. <laughs> I wouldn't act that way. And, and if we were ever in that situation, I'd, I'd be the first to, to say, I've got this one kind of thing. I was luckily around friends who also were in a good situation. They worked as well, maybe part-time at bars and stuff. So we all we all had a good time at uni and it wasn't, wasn't too financially burdened. And alongside that, you were playing rugby, I believe. I've played throughout my upbringing. Um, I, so I, I started in Australia as I grew up with, the, with Australian dad. So I started my sort of rugby career there and then I moved to Spain at 13. Um, and I continued playing there. And then my mum is Gibraltarian, so I, I play for Gibraltar. We're still playing, but obviously, given the current circumstances, we're also on pause. So we haven't been playing for the last few months. That's one of my main hobbies. And how did you find that? Because we know what life as a footballer and it's all about the wag and it's all about the big houses and it's all about the friendship. What's the rugby side like? Because we don't really ever hear about life for rugby players. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the money is, is nowhere near comparable to... Uh, football life so I play internationally but it's it's not professionally because there's just not enough money in the game so we're not paid we do it for the love of the sport and to represent our country but if I was playing football at the equivalent standard I play rugby I'd, I'd be paid a lot of money if, if you know what I mean but it's, it's not the same in rugby unfortunately with rugby there's a lot more pressure to be of a certain size and a certain sort of physical appearance because it's a physical sport whereas football yeah you need to be fit and athletic but rugby like if you're not of a certain weight or a certain sort of muscular build you actually get bullied out on the pitch and it does actually then affect your overall talent and skill that was one of my main struggles with rugby especially growing up I was a bit of a late bloomer I always had quite good talent but I was always a bit smaller than the rest and for me there was a fear factor involved because you're going out there with people 20 kilos 30 kilos heavier than you and when you're coming to a physical tackle with them you normally end up on the losing end of it so there's definitely a pressure with rugby over football, I'd imagine, of being a certain physical presence and, and level. So what did you do then? Were you eating lots of chocolate and crisps and pizza to beef up so that you were that 30 kilograms heavier? Yeah, honestly, like, in the lead-up to a big game, so one of our internationals against, you know, another European country, I would, a month before, I would just be like, right, I'm eating what I can, when I can, and whatever. And I'd be trying to pack on weight i didn't necessarily need to but it was in my head i sort of you know i'm going out there with guys 100 kilos 110 kilos and i'm 80 so i need to put on this weight i'd eat anything luckily i've got fast metabolism so i sort of i can eat what i want and i, I do struggle to put weight on breakfast would be five eggs big fry up and i'd snack all day consciously thinking right more in, more in. big pastas big everything just overloading a plate i think at one point where you move from an actual normal dining plate to almost a serving plate which you'd put in the middle of the table I was starting to eat off those because 
you want to eat more, so you know, a normal plate's not big enough. But that was the protein and the carbs. Were you eating lots of chocolate and sweets and sugar as well? No, not necessarily. I wouldn't. I, I, I normally eat quite well. I don't, I'm not really. I haven't got much of a sweet tooth, so. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. You know, I wouldn't say no to it just because for me it was extra calories. So at one point, I was I was trying to hit sort of four five thousand calories a day, and I was I was actually going out for pints in the evening just because there were so many calories in a pint. So I was uh, adding that to my daily intake. How did that make you feel that, you you know, you're, you can't control your body yet? The body's not what you want it to be. and You're doing whatever you can to try and almost ruin the genes that you have. It's annoying. It's stressful because you know that there's some people who genetically got that size on them and they're, and they tend to be the guys who are playing for England and at the top level. And I feel like if I was genetically gifted, I could play at that level, but I never, never had that, unfortunately. So I had to really try and push for it before the game. So I guess it's just a bit of a stress. And I only did it because... I'd feel slightly more confident walking out on the pitch, you know, for a game, being that extra five kilos heavier. It's all mental, really. I think ultimately I walk out more confidently and I, I, I play a better game. That was what it was for me. In the moment, you're thinking like, they're, they're big games. They're, re- they're really pressured. You're playing in front of a big crowd and you're like, I just want to perform. But then when you look back at it, you're like, well, I, I could have done without all that lead up stress and trying to pack on loads of pounds. And blah, blah, blah. I think maybe it stemmed from being a late bloomer and all my peers being slightly bigger than me. So I, I went, to, I started gymming from like a, a young age. It's sort of as early as you could, actually. I I know at, at school, there was a, you had to be 16 plus to go to gym. And we all sort of, a few of us like faked our gym passes. We were all 15 and we faked our age so we could get into the gym earlier. It's a male thing. I think when growing up, you want to be bigger. You want, you feel pressure to be, there's like an alpha male pressure like you feel a bit more in control and, and playing rugby and playing physical sports. Again, that's an added pressure that made me sort of definitely push to be as big and physically in shape as I, as I could. I kind of always strive to be the best in what I do. And that was probably the one thing holding me back on the rugby field and not being of competitive size. So it was just me telling myself to go out and be better, I guess, and be as big and big as you can and be where you need to be to perform, really. It's quite interesting that you t- you pick up on the term competitiveness because being in a rugby team, that's competitive because you're playing with other people. Talking about your body weight, that's competitive because you're comparing yourself to others. Working in finance as well, and especially for a company like PwC, such a big company, the competitiveness there to keep achieving must have been really high. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, it's a, it's a big company. It's the top four um, accounting firm and the people you're working beside are of, of the top calibre. So, yeah, you're working around a, a load of intelligent people. And there, that was a big pressure, actually, for me, now I think of it. Now you've brought it up. You always do kind of feel like, wow, like, I don't want to say something stupid. I don't want to, I don't want to make a mistake. These guys are so intelligent. My superiors, my, there is a big pressure in the financial industry as well. You've got that corporate hierarchy and pressure where everyone's kind of act in line. Sort of one of the reasons I, I guess I am where I am now and not still in, in that career path. In companies like PwC, there are so many different cultures. You've got the drinking culture where you've got to be seen after work drinking for a long time so that you're part of the team. You've got the competitiveness of how many hours you're doing because, yes, you're contracted to do seven and a half hours, but if you're not doing 12 hours, you're going to get judged. You're going to get judged yeah. on the type of clients you've got. That's a lot of pressure you put on yourself post-university to fit in. Yeah, no, it was. It was, and... I guess, again, it stems from me just wanting to achieve and, and be the best I can. And with that mindset comes the sort of sacrifice of, yeah, you're going to have pressure on you, unfortunately. You know, I enjoyed to, to a level, but some days are unenjoyable when you're 
you know, you feel like there's something that you've been given a task and, you know, there's so much pressure to perform to a certain standard. Or, and if you're not delivering, then you're like, oh, God, what do I do? I don't want to speak out and be like, I don't know what the hell is going on here. Can you give me a hand? Because then you look stupid or, or and you try and go on with it. You know, you don't know what you're doing and then it's taking too long kind of thing. There's a, there is a lot of that pressure in, in the financial world and I'm sure in, in all industries. But, yeah, I definitely found that. Well, talking of pressure, you then put even more pressure on yourself because this year... And this series, we saw you join Made in Chelsea. So now it's not just pressure against yourself. You've now got pressure as a reality star. You've got pressure to fit in with an audience who have grown up with Made in Chelsea for the best part of 10 years. And you've got a pressure to almost get screen time now because you've got 20 cast members who have been in the show for various lengths. Yeah, the newfound pressure. But pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> It's a definitely a new form of pressure, which I'm, I'm accustomed to. But what I can say to that is there is, you say sort of getting screen time and there's that pressure. I, I haven't once sort of had that mindset where I'm trying to act in a certain way or, or deliver something one way to get added screen time. Um, but I know that there definitely is that factor. That is the way the kind of industry works. But I, I so far haven't and so far it's, it's gone all right. So I think in, in that sense I, I haven't got too much pressure on me so let's go back to how you joined Made in Chelsea so you came in as Sophie Habu's ex-boyfriend who was suddenly back on the scene how did that conversation with the Made in Chelsea producers come about it's a long story we've got time but, we're yeah, in quarantine <laughs> everyone's sitting on the couch I left Newcastle and I was asked to go on the show then so that was in 2017 and, and who did you know then? My good friend at university, Dylan, he was good friends with Frankie Gass, who was on the show. So they approached him, and then they also asked who are your housemates moving down to London. So I lived with three mates from university, and we came down straight out of university into London in September. And they they then asked for me to come on with them, with, with Dylan. So we both went for interviews to assess what's the package, how's it work? Like, we were very naive to it. We didn't have a clue, apart from, you know, watching it back in our teens and or early 20s and um i assessed that i i was also about to just complete my final three exams for accounting and they were the biggest ones so i, I went through a few interviews and i said nate do you know what i've assessed the opportunity but it's, it's completely the wrong time for me i'm also in this relationship with with sophie which was I, I was with her throughout the whole of the university pretty much and then she they said oh we'll bring you on as a couple before that she was like oh you don't go on that show like blah, blah, blah. and then you know they found an interest in both me and her and then Sort of her whole her whole thing changed. She was like, "Oh yeah, let's both go on it." And I was like, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm doing my accounting exam. It's not the right time for me." Anyway, we broke up, and within a week, she was on it. She got the job on Main Chelsea because of you, because of Dylan, because of Frankie Gaff. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. She got yeah. She got the job through through yeah through them approaching me. Yeah, and then we broke up, and within a week, she was on it. So that was kind of hard hitting, to be honest. How did that make you feel? Did you feel like she'd not that she'd been in it with you for fame, but the fact that she'd kind of almost pushed you out the way as soon as you're over and she didn't want to have anything to do with it suddenly she's actually on the show it was it was shocking i, I couldn't quite figure out for a while i was like what like she she said things to me like I'd, I'd break up with you if you went on that like and then as soon as the tables had turned and they were interested in her and me the, the whole sort of her whole mindset changed i was like all right and then she broke up with me and, and went on it but like i'm not gonna go and say that's why she broke up with me or because you know we weren't in the in the greatest you know we were having a bit of a rough patch but yeah it did all come at once and it was a bit of a shock so what did you say to her when she said right i'm going on made in chelsea or did she not even tell you did you just turn it on one monday evening and you found her on it 
<laughs> no, I, I I knew as we were breaking up, like I knew she she was um, showing interest to her, and then through the grapevine, I'd heard within a week she was she was on it. Like as Frankie Gaff group with Frankie Gaff, they were sort of friends before as well. It was a shock. Then you have to kind of you're trying to go through a breakup and and move on, and you try and block the other person out of your life because it's easier for you. But then suddenly you've got your ex on national TV and you're you're seeing her date other guys and I say seeing I completely refuse to watch watch the show but I heard it from through you know my mates we're all mates from university it got back to me within a split second Sophie's now with Mitten or Sophie's now with Thompson like and you're like fuck I only broke up there a few weeks ago people do think it's, it's acted I've actually had a few DMs recently going oh you're not a very good actor are you I'm like one guy said oh, I really love your new character on the show I was like do you mean that's me? I'm not acting anyone. It is very much real. You're put in a situation which, you know, might have happened sooner than bef- than naturally or, or later naturally. But when you're there, you, you're talking real emotions. It's all, it's all organic. There's nothing scripted. And, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people leave it all out on, in front of the camera. It's, it is quite tough. Moving forward, you then do your exams and you're qualified. And then Made in Chelsea comes up again. You split up with Sophie and then you end up on the show. What made you go into the show this time around? Fast forward two years from the initial contact from Made in Chelsea. I then finished my accounting exams, got my ACA. I then left. I looked for a few other jobs. But I, was, I, was, I was trying to figure out, am I sort of, am I wanting to follow the career path that you know, the financial ladder and or do I want to sort of take an entrepreneur route? So I, I went traveling for a few months and then I thought, you know what, I actually, it was a bit tame, the whole the whole idea of working ladder for the rest of my life, just to be comfortable at the age of 40, 50, wasn't, didn't burn me on enough. So I, I then worked on launching a new beer, which I'm working on at the moment. Um, and then the whole main Chelsea opportunity came back around. And I was in a much better position to even humor the idea and then kind of align well with what I was doing in my entrepreneur sort of sense. I was, you know, working on my own watch. I had time to play it, like free time to a lot to, you know, filming times. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it again. So you go into the um, series and you obviously knew a couple of the cast members because of Sophie and she's very established on the show. And the big character, obviously, that you've been with is Emily Blackwell. Had you come across Emily beforehand because of Sophie? Yeah, I had I had done on, on a few nights out. Um, not a major amount, enough to know who she was, kind of thing. So you go on a show and then you meet her. And this is basically, the whole of this series is basically around you and her's relationship. We saw you this week ask her to be your girlfriend. So that's the series wrapped up. You can catch that on all four now. Talk to me man to man about the love story of Harvey and Emily. Okay. Where did it begin? It was, it, honestly, it was one of those intuitions, one of those moments where I just, I didn't know that well, but you know when you just sort of get that vibe, that feeling that actually I could really go on this girl. She's She's everything like on paper that, I, I'm after. So I just sort of acted on it, and it was really just out on a limb. Like I think this girl could be really suited to me, and lo and behold, I was right. <laughs> How have you found the pressure of doing this dating on TV? That if you weren't sure, and what you're doing is all in front of the cameras, there's no personal time for actually you to personally think: is this right or wrong? Yeah, it it definitely accelerates. Um, the relationship sort of process being on the show because you know they they want to see you progress they want to they want the viewers to to know that uh, you know 
there's a new sort of stage in there in this in this love you know this blossoming love i think for us it, it really happened quite naturally yeah there was a lot of you know we had a date in front of the camera and you know we wouldn't there wouldn't be a sort of pause in, in speech for two hours and they just you know keep the cameras rolling that was it was all very natural and then we'd go off and finish our day off camera like there was nothing fake about it it just i guess there was a slight pressure to progress things quicker than i might have otherwise done was there also pressure that you've got not just a relationship with you and her not a relationship with you her and made in chelsea but you've got a relationship with you her made in chelsea and all the millions of fans who watch the show that everyone's got an opinion and everyone's got access to message you on social media funny everyone likes to throw their two cents in but we've we've actually had quite a lot of nice messages and said you know you two seem really suited for, for each other don't worry about what you know what sophie thinks and what jamie thinks and don't let that tarnish you know your potential relationship so which is nice i didn't really get much advice from Emily. i didn't i didn't ask her uh, for it either but she's obviously been on the show for a lot longer but i think in, in this situation it's more me giving her advice on because she was she was worried that she'd been the bad friend and you know um sort of gone behind sophie's back and betrayed her and it was more me being like you know em, you have done nothing wrong you know she's now with jamie she, you know, she's moved on. We're not our relationships ended years ago. Blah, blah, blah. I'm quite sort of calm-headed in, in in those senses, so I didn't, you know, I didn't freak out too much about what people could potentially think. So Habs moves out, goes in with Jamie. Then COVID nineteen happens. Habs is out. You've moved in. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, you know COVID nineteen. I say that me and Chelsea can kind of accelerate a relationship. COVID nineteen has taken us from honeymoon dating to marriage. <laughs> I mean, you've got the garden where you do your workouts. You're annoying Emily with her bedroom. This is literally married life already. <laughs> we were saying it's, it's almost worse than married life. Like you can't even, you don't even have that option to just run out for for a day down to the pub with the boys and just have a break from each other. Like you are twenty four seven on top of each other. But so far, I haven't hit speed bump. So it's been plain sailing. Has that been a good test for your relationship then? Because away from the cameras, obviously Made in Chelsea stopped filming for now. You really can concentrate on the two of you, almost like a honeymoon from home, a staycation honeymoon. Yeah, it, it is a bit like that. Like we, you know, there's, there's no distractions, I guess, that the outside world normally brings to a lot of relationships. And that might be one reason why we're, we're getting on so well. Or, you know, or, but then you have the other sort of point of view that, oh, hang on, you're spending 24 hours a day with each other. For the last what is it now five weeks any person would be at each other's throats but we we haven't had a fight so i don't know it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how how it all get, pans out once we go back to normal so far i can't complain amazing now let's talk about your beer company because this is exciting yeah yeah really exciting i'm in the process of launching it it's a concept i've i've been developing for quite a few years now um it's basically a lager with a addition to it it's a cutting edge new type of lager it's got an addition to it which is it's not been done in europe it's the first of its kind and we'll be launching in the next few months well i'd I'd like to say as soon as we're out of lockdown to be honest but you know the market's now slightly different to how it was so we're gonna have to kind of restructure a few things but it it should be interesting it's called prime time lager i can give you that prime time lager look out for prime time and why is it called prime time because it's a feel-good lager, it gets you back in your prime. Time for a prime, it's prime time. It's just a catchy, catchy name and it, it speaks volumes for, for what the product delivers. 
Amazing. So, and why beer for you? Why was that the where your interests lied in a, in your first business? I'm a social guy. I, I love beer myself. I, I'd probably drink it all evening. I sort of don't switch over to spirits and and mixes like most people do. So proper lad. My pro. I'm a proper sort of that. I think that comes from my dad's side. He's a proper sort of rugged Aussie. Yeah. You know, it's beers for breakfast, beers for lunch. And it also stemmed with a sort of my partner who helped me develop it. Also has a sort of career in in the beer distribution industry. So it was sort of an opportunity he saw um, working in the industry for 20 years, and then an opportunity I jumped on. And how are you going to use your platform with Meaning Chelsea to endorse that bill? Are we going to see that beer being drunk and like they use Pepsi all over American Idol? Can we see all your friends on the show drinking it? Yeah, we, we, we hope to do a launch party and follow it on the show. There are obviously quite strict regulations about promoting things on, on TV with Ofcom, but, which is annoying. We will definitely do a launch party and you'll see it on the show. Final question for you, mate. I want to call this podcast Pressure because I think... You've put a lot of pressure on yourself over the years, but at uni, being at as an accountant, being able to become a reality star, having your own company now, and you're so young. I want to go back to when you were, let's go for 16. What would you tell your 16-year-old self now about the pressure you've put on yourself over the past 10 years? What I tell myself is think in the long run. I put so much pressure on myself that I've, I've thought very short term for a lot of my decisions, and it has led to me doing things that yes are progressive and beneficial but maybe weren't haven't led me in, in the complete right direction when i look back at it so it's sort of taking a deep breath and thinking you know what do i want to do now to, to put me in that right position in five or ten years not in two or three months so that i can live another comfortable few months and i i was very much in that thought process it was like when i left school it was like right how do i make money going to uni and that might have put me on a course that i didn't necessarily want to do because i had and other factors influencing my decision and then coming out of uni and going to PwC and then now taking reality TV route. It's all off the back of sort of having a lot of pressure on me to succeed and a lot of pressure to sort of financially support, you know, myself and my family in the future, which is which is a, maybe a personal thing to me or something a lot of men I, I feel probably deal with. Thank you for listening to Security and Secure, presented by me, Johnny Seifert. And look, Harvey is completely right. Do not put pressure on yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. There's a lot of pressure at the moment due to COVID-19. Now, we've all been in isolation for six weeks now. What have you achieved in those six weeks? What have you learned? What new skill have you got? What have you now gained knowledge-wise? And we put pressure on ourselves that, oh, I've binge-watched Zack and Cody on Disney Plus for six weeks. Is that good enough? And that's a new pressure that we're putting on ourselves. So... Don't put pressure on yourself, but reflect on how far you've achieved. Because when you write down your CV and you look back at your life CV, so not just your jobs, but your friends, the relationships you've had, it will make you realise how special you are and how important it is to actually have that time to have some self-love. You've been listening to Johnny Seifert on Security and Secure. Thank you so much for listening. Made in Chelsea has finished. What a short run it was. I'm gutted. I can't wait to watch it again. It'll be back later on this year, but to watch... Emily and Harvey's love story catch up on all fun. I'll be back next week with another Circadian's Cure just to give you a couple of minutes on your daily walk just to take your mind away from the horrible world that we are in right now. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.